millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hanfler of What Culture to talk about the worst sacrifices in WWE. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestling. Culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamblin to talk about his article, The 10 Worst Sacrifices in WWE. Now, I know the answer to this, but hell, let's go over some old ground. Michael Hamblin, what was the catalyst for this list? The Fiend, mate. The law of the <laughs> Fiend. Fiend struck again, isn't he? Um, or hasn't, and that's maybe the problem. He never strikes. No matters when it counts. Yeah, um, WrestleMania 37 was brilliant. Loads of action that was perfectly catered to live crowds. So amazing to hear fans back again. Like wrestling felt familiar, didn't it? It felt like the thing that you'd once fallen in love with. And you know what else felt familiar? Was Bray Wyatt falling to a single RKO in under 10 minutes. Because Jesus Christ, if they didn't like find a way to top the insect projection finish of WrestleMania 33 on one of the most historic nights in the company's like, so I was certainly in the company's pandemic era, but in the recent past of WWE and indeed Bray Wyatt, they did him again. Um, they do him all the time. You can no longer be sympathetic because you have to just laugh along with it because it punishes your investment rather than rewards it. I don't wish for anybody within WWE to lose their jobs or have their careers affected by bad pushes. But some are funnier than others. And when Bray Wyatt got distracted by his own friend come whatever she was alexa bliss emerging from that jack-in-a-box like structure <laughs> the the game was gone again wasn't it <laughs> it was just there was nothing to do but like and and the fact that they sacrificed that character again to randy orton again was only sweeter because there's something so generically WWE pro wrestlery about Orton in particular. Like, Bray Wyatt is a man that's been set on fire, so nothing, no, no one wrestling move should be able to stop him. Like, this is... They did it when they set him on fire. It was like, well, you can't go, but you can't walk this back. But, like, I'm trying really hard. Maybe an almost tree slam or a Braun Strowman choke slam or a Shane McMahon punch. You know, those things that are just known to devastate. <laughs> that could, like, take, 
take down buildings, let alone people. But RKO, like you, you're single, you're straightforward RKO that he's been hit with before, mm. that he's popped up from on television from before, that he should learn to counter by now. It doesn't matter if he's a murder clown. The RKO is still the ultimate legend killer. Um, fascinating article, this, by the way. And I'm going to start with something that's obviously very raw for me and something that was the catalyst, the beginning of the end, some might say, uh, for one of the greatest female tag teams of all time. I'm talking of WWE inexplicably splitting up the, and I'll save our headphone users' ears right now, Iconics. Yeah, um, very 2021, this article, because it was out of date three days after it got published. Um, <laughs> I decried the injustice and the outrage of the splitting up of the Iconics before WWE just went ahead and sacked them. So it sort of feels, if if it reads a little bit glib, if you go and read this after the after this podcast, understand that it was written. We didn't imagine they would get fired. We imagined that splitting them was punishment enough. Hmm. Now it seems like small change, unfortunately. Um, yeah, like... I touched upon this in the article, but one of the huge issues I took with that split, beyond how sad it made my friend Adam Wilborn, was just that this idea that I think permeates throughout WWE, that unless you're a master of everything, you're a master of nothing. Mm. Like this idea that the performance center should be spitting out these perfect, polished pro wrestlers, when in reality, that's kind of the problem with the whole product. Like the, the idea that, no, not one single person can do everything. So rather than stopping to acknowledge a few flaws and highlight some positives, they just see the entire talent as flawed. Ricochet is a dead rubber because no matter the fact his body looks as elastic as rubber, he can't cut promos. So mm. he's reduced to weekend television. And in the case of the Iconics, um, Peyton Royce showed these incredible in-ring flashes, but was dead on arrival because she couldn't get matches after they were broken up. Billy Kay has this amazing comic timing but that was left to rot because she's not really good enough to work a lot of matches to put that comic timing over more so. That's why they were a great act collectively, okay. collaboratively. They bounced off each other. They used each other's own skills for the benefit of the whole act, which in itself was a benefit to the division at large. I wasn't a supporter of choosing comedy when the women's tag team belts were so young and new and needed credibility. But just about everything else the Iconics did served a magnificent purpose in trying to make WWE a lighter, more enjoyable buffet of entertainment rather than this mangled, or oh, everything's three days past its sell-by date, like whoops counter that it now exists as today. <laughs> I, it was perplexing, to say the least, and that only is intensified by the fact that they teased, on several occasions, putting them back together before sacking them. Mm. like I realised that it, it, whoever you are a fan of you will always sit there and say well this is how you should fantasy book them it's the, the hard golly give them the belt and I'll beat everybody sort of thing of just like well here's how you do it you just put the world title on Sean O'Hare jobs are good and sort of thing <laughs> but I, I genuinely I'm flabbergasted that they didn't hear or you know just, just with their own eyes see Peyton Royce with this brilliant individual move set and that astonishing new finisher and Billy Kay cheerleading from the outside and go, all right, well, we don't want them as a tag team for whatever reason that may be. I'll never understand it, but still. But there's no need, like they're clearly best friends inside the ring and out. So why would we just split them? Like, they haven't done that with a the new day. 
when they finally realize, okay, well, if we need to split the new day up across separate shows, we'll do some convoluted <laughs> draft bollocks for that. But even so, just have Peyton wrestle, Billy talk. Like, that, yeah, that, that's all you need is. And you could, you know, I'm not suggesting that even Peyton should become a world champion straight away. Eventually, I'd like to see that happen. But yeah, if you want someone to just go, right, from out of nowhere, we're going to have Peyton Royce challenge at this B-level pay-per-view in November or whatever, or, you know, whenever it may be. November's pretty bad to put to suggest it's a B-level pay-per-view, but still. Um, yeah, and then and yet they just went, nah, uh, you two don't get along. And then they turned up the next week and they went, oh, you two are, are you not together anymore? Are you feuding? Right, we'll have you feud. And then, then you're not feuding. And uh, what's stopping you from getting back together? Nothing. Okay, well, there you go. It's madness, all of this. Yeah, you're hitting on a lot of points there that, like, to try and draw why I chose this out of, you know, there's 10 here, but you could do plenty more. Um, sacrifice was one of, was the key theme of this article. And what was most frustrating about the iconic split was that it was to what end? We are mm. asking that question to this day. You have listed 10 reasons why not to have done it just there. But we are still wondering why you sacrificed yeah. an over an over and relevant act when ultimately the only upshot has been to cut two people from your roster. Like that's the sort of stuff. And we talked about this on a on a number of different podcasts when the sackings were going on. That's what jarred the most about the likes of um the iconics and Tucker from Heavy Machinery as well. Is it the same people that split these acts up and the same people that sack them? So the people that are maybe responsible for why these careers have nosedived a little bit are not taking the responsibility for that nosedive. Mm. Wrestling is very cruel in the way it works in that regard. It's sort of like if you're tidying up somewhere and you find something and you think, well, I don't need this right now, but I might need it in a month or six mm. months' time. And just WWE goes, no, throw it away, throw it away, burn it, and then throw it away. <laughs> if you're not using it now, then what's the point? From one thing that is very close to my heart, to another, very close to yours. Uh, several entries, understandably, in this because of her checkered history in WWE. For one, Bailey. Christ, yeah. Um, 2020 was emotional for us all. Um, and I'd be lying if I said that, like everybody else, my most emotional moment in 2020 was when Bailey and Sasha headlined Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I know they weren't <laughs> on last, but I'm, I'm speaking for everybody when I say that, right? That was uh, that was why the year was so difficult, because we just, I don't know anything else that was going on because I was so obsessed with Sasha and Bailey. It was vindication. That was what it was. It was vindication. WWE shouldn't exist to um, punish talent or to test talent um, for five, count them, five years um, to see if they can survive this wretched main roster when they've already proven themselves on another brand. And you couldn't, uh, this is not a time to debate the whether NXT is developmental or not, but I'll tell you what wasn't a developmental show was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. A sold out Barclays Centre going as wild as they have for any match that decade was not a developmental thing. Sasha and Bailey that night, indeed the following month at another takeover for 30 minutes in the build-up in Bailey's title like title reign after the fact. None of that was developmental. That was peak performance pro wrestling, male or female as well, by the way. Um, and they were basically, Bailey more than Sasha, were basically put in an endurance test for several years, there's, yeah. I think there's two. I think there's two entries in in this list that feature Bailey, and like I'll try and kind of cook three. I know there's three actually, but one's a current, present day one because I mentioned the WrestleMania 37 host role instead of being given a wrestling gig. But the two that spring to mind from that 
five, four and a half years in the abyss that she spent were the um, dreadful promos with the likes of Corey Graves and Alexa Bliss, where she was reduced to that of a child because she happened to have, and Vince McMahon didn't get this, surprise, surprise, happiness in her soul. Um, <laughs> because she was a person with joy, Vince McMahon saw that and just didn't understand it. So all he saw was a trait of a person that needed strangling out. She did that dreadful promo with Corey Graves where she was reduced to that of a child and begged him to give her give her a hug at the end. Come on, Corey, bring it in, bring it in. And the camera lingers not on Bailey's face, but on Corey's, looking confused and repulsed by this act of genuine human emotion from someone. <laughs> and infamously, because Raw seems to do at least one of these a year, um, whether it be sort of Bobby's sisters or the old day, it'll have this one segment that just stands out above all the rest as this criminal moment of television. Do it. Bailey, oh. this is your life. Oh. <laughs> Alexa Bliss trotting out uh, Bailey's old high school boyfriend and her high school best friend. So guess what? They could neck on with each other. Uh, and then a weird diversion about Bailey's relationship with her dad and teachers and about adult male figures in her life because she's a child. Well, Alexa, it takes one to know one. It's come full circle for you in the end, could it? Um, <laughs> like... Fiend, this is your life. <laughs> just like, just minging dialogue, like perpetuated by minging people um, that couldn't book, let alone book a baby face that was being touted without hyperbole as the next John Cena in NXT. They saw a figure that could inspire like that youthful demographic that WWE so desperately craves, the kids that are going to buy the t-shirts, the posters, the pictures, etc. in Bailey. And she was booed in Brooklyn, like within two years of being on the main roster, the place that had become a spiritual home over two incredible nights in NXT TakeOver, both in 2015 and in 2016. Um, it carried over to what was very much, it was the beginning of the end of Sasha and Bailey as baby faces, but it was the beginning of the beginning in terms of them actually getting over um, and staying there, which was, of course, at WrestleMania 35, ties quite nicely into our last mm. point about the Iconics. And I know they were legal, Adam Wilborn. I promise you I do that. But I also know this was lethal because it was a lethal injection into these two as credible baby faces forever. They'd won those tag belts a month earlier. They'd basically willed them into existence for every story you hear about them being backstage. Um, give us tag belts. You're not going to push us to singles wrestlers. Give us tag belts and we'll give you a class women's division, uh, women's tag division. We'll do it. We believe in ourselves. They finally got them at Elimination Chamber to much... To tears, you know, to much emotion. They mm. got those women's tag belts. It felt real. Uh, they had one pay-per-view defence and then they were sacrificed to the Iconics at WrestleMania because it was uh, funny. The Iconics wrestled with them about three times because ultimately, I, I love them, but they weren't Sasha and Bailey. They weren't the team that was supposed to take them to NXT, to take them to every brand, which, when did they do that, Wellborn? 2020, when they had no choice but to be trusted. <laughs> when that frigging ugly empty gym needed carrying for three months. Who did they rely on? Bailey and Sasha winning the tag belts. Maybe don't take them off from a year earlier. But WWE gets away with everything. Sasha came back, having taken like three or four months off to reset herself. Bailey turned heel. Like, ultimately, we all got what we wanted. WWE nearly had to bu literally bully them in Sasha's case out of the company to get it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's move on and talk about something that I immediately thought of whenever I saw the title about, you know, sacrifices WWE've made. Because, you know, a sacrifice is sort of like a means to an end. You know, even in the, you know, like horror movies or whatever like that. the wicker man for example they're like we're sacrificing this guy but it's for for, for a reason <laughs> why did they stop zack Ryder's push still uh john cena couldn't embrace the hates i mean i'll be honest as you mentioned before with with these things they're awful you occasionally get the flashes of good stuff out of it one of the one of if the best wheelchair bump in history I'm gonna split it. Say, I'm gonna say that right now. Having said all that, God, it was bloody pointless what they did with poor old Zack Ryder. Terrifying, terrifying wheelchair bump, only on a par with. Is it more terrifying, less terrifying than the Brock Lesnar pushing Zach Gowan down the stairs that time? Oh yeah, forgot about that. They're both up there. They're both up there. The fact that we have to have a conversation about wheelchair bumps means that we are talking about a dirty, dirty business. Mm. Um, to answer your question, it was sacrificed because cynical millionaires were annoyed that somebody wanted to make them like money that they hadn't thought about making. That's the only <laughs> rationale I can come up with. Zack Ryder effectively arrived back from the abyss uh, one summer to say, you know how you haven't been using me? Well, in that time, I built up an entire audience on YouTube and then an angry old man interrupted him. So what the hell is YouTube, pal? And, <laughs> After Zack Ryder spent a good 45 minutes explaining to Vincent Mann what YouTube was, basically, boss, they're like longer versions of touts. Um, <laughs> once he spent a while explaining to him what YouTube was, he said, and, and because of this YouTube channel, people have started buying the one T-shirt you ever made me. So maybe we make more T-shirts and we make more merchandise. And it's funny, this. They started calling me the, the internet world champion. I've put, it's all a bit daft because obviously this is all internet because you won't use me on television. I've put a, a Twitter logo on my belt. What the hell is Twitter? And he said, so he explains Twitter to him. And he says, it's basically like one of your promos, but it's way, way more condensed than only so many characters. 
And then he said, what the hell is characters? No, he didn't say what the hell is characters. Vincent Mann hasn't cared about characters for 20 years. Um, and <laughs> yeah, Zack Ryder did all that, all of that. WB heard monetization, YouTube, Twitter, and then pushed Zack Ryder off a stage in a wheelchair, basically. <laughs> basically. Didn't give the wrestler any of the plaudits, gave him talking stuff, which we can now look back as talking stuff. But look, I was along for the ride at the time as well. I didn't think it was talking stuff. I thought this was change. God damn it. There's that great promo after uh, oh, the December pay-per-view that year. So CM Punk is, is uh, WWE champion. TLC, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. I think it was TLC. I you're right. Daniel Bryan has cashed in to become world heavyweight champion. And Zack Ryder has opened the show by defeating Dolph Ziggler for the United States Championship. And it's this moment where the three very un-WWE babyfaces are holding up their newly worn belts in the ring. And it's I think Punk liked it because it felt like the pipe bomb had been vindicated. It felt like he had actually brought forth the change he spoke of in that legendary promo. Um, TLC 2011. TLC 2011, thank you. Yeah, so that was like, you know, maybe six, seven months removed from the pipe bomb. So maybe Punk thought that visual was the change that he'd reckoned upon. Um, WrestleMania came the first WrestleMania after the pipe bomb and Brian was beaten in a bro kick with 18 seconds and Zack Ryder was kicked in the dick by Eve Torres so that John Laurinaitis could take full control of Raw pipe bomb like it just <laughs> didn't didn't take did it um, oh, poor Zack Ryder it's the sacrifice as you say was for John Cena's feud with Kane because John Cena needed to embrace hate and apparently embrace Zack Ryder's girlfriend Um and Ryder was left to fester. And you know, the worst thing is that we've sort of seen it coming long before any of this. Um, Ryder was getting these amazing chants in the buildings everywhere. There was that Survivor Series where The Rock returned and New York in Madison Square Garden chanted, we want Ryder. And The Rock was like genuinely flustered for a second. It's The Rock, so we got it back on track. But like mm. Zack Ryder was that popular. And it was happening in the summer. And there was this feeling of rebellion underneath the CM Punk push and the failure of the summer of Punk. There was this, we've got to, we've got to fight for guys. CM Punk is like struggling under the weight of less talented wrestlers. I'm Kevin Nash. But um, <laughs> Zack Ryder was a guy getting chance in the buildings. And Raw, in commercial breaks, would do this bit where Zack Ryder would come out and give the crowd what they wanted. Zack Ryder's here! And, uh, and Triple H would come out and pedigree him in a suit. And they're online. If you don't believe me, go looking for them. Jeez. Fans video... Fans videoed them occasionally. Uh, they went on WWE's official YouTube. Twitter was probably too young at the time for WWE to give a toss. But like, yeah, there's there's videos out there of Triple H coming out in the ad break to Raw. Oh, you got your rider, did you? I'm gonna plant this mother face down on the mat. Um, so that's what that was like. That was the signs of what was ultimately going to become of Zack Ryder and his like taking the brass ring or getting himself over or all those various things WWE tell its talent to do. He was he was punished for it rather than pushed. But at least he got a win back against Kane. <laughs> find, find me that pay-per-view on Wikipedia. I think. Didn't he face him at an over the limit? Hang on, I'm gonna Google this. Over the limit. I think it must have been 2012. Over the limit 2012. Yep. Uh, he lost in seven minutes on the pre-show. <laughs> Great. I was thinking you were thinking of the one where, um, like, I think Randy Orton and Kane had a match. Maybe it was that, was that. that was WrestleMania. That was WrestleMania. Yeah. There's like 
there's like a there's a like a backlashy type thing the following month though when they have another match and like that rider runs in for like two minutes and the internet collective level like there he is getting his revenge They're like you just you decked Kane backstage and that was your lot. <laughs> just I just love this over the limit pay per view. <laughs> There you go. Uh, it's, it's, it's time for time for change. Time for change. KB Zag Ryder in a singles match in seven minutes on the pre-show. And... Oh, hang on, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Wilbon. Can I just stop you there? I love Over the Limit 2012 because if I'm not mistaken, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan have a classic that because of change must have main evented the card. Am I right? CM Punk, Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship goes on not 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 co-main either. It's the eighth match on the card, including the, the pre-show. It goes 24 minutes, like you say, spectacular. And then they go, right, get Ryback and Camacho out there. And, <laughs> and then we get the John Laurinaitis, uh, John Cena, no DQ match, which goes 17 sold a minute. Ryback and Camacho. Classic. Um, right, let's move on. Maybe maybe Ryback should add a Camacho option to one of them Twitter polls. <laughs> Let's thankfully none of this sort of thing happens anymore. Oh, let's move next on to yeah, yeah. better known as uh, Retribution, <laughs> and uh, not them specifically because uh, sacrificing them isn't the end of the world. Sacrificing Mustafa Ali and the SmackDown hacker is like a triple triple bagger you get with this. Yeah, um, I just he tried, didn't he? That's what's that's what hurts is that you really tried. We support crap football teams, and it's not the defeats that kill you; it's the hope. Yeah. It's the hope for a second that just because they've tried a bit, you think they can try all the time and they can't. They just can't. Um, and that was the case here with Mustafa Ali. Um, he'd, he was kind of going nowhere as a babyface on Raw, but that could be said for most of the mid cards. So it should have been, and it was, I guess, an opportunity for him to be revealed as the leader. Um, it was ideal because they, look, I don't care what these law types on Twitter want to say. They dropped the hacker cold. And uh, this was just a way to pick it back up and reheat it. Because at least you could say, well, that too was tied to disruption yeah. and upsetting the apple cart. Like, and we knew we, we all pretty much knew it was going to be him anyway. So it sort of it kind of works, sort of works. He's got um immediate beef with the likes of I think it was Ricochet and the other raw guys for him getting beaten up with the rest of them. He's got long-standing beef with Kofi Kingston and the WWE machine for ousting him from a WrestleMania main event. Um, he was a former police officer. So feels like he's kind of loosely connected to those tenets of authority, mm-hmm. but understanding also you need sometimes to, he's probably seen the flaws of it from the inside. So he needs to shake that authority up, all that sort of stuff. Look at me, I'm sounding like one of them Twitter accounts, aren't I? <laughs> this, is what, this is what Mustafa Ali probably thought about when he was told that it was going to retribution was going to be his, all of this was going to be his. Um, and you could see that because the promos that he cut, like alluding to all that sort of stuff, talking about how annoyed he was with the company, trying to give life to these wretched characters that he'd been assigned. I'm not picking on the wrestlers. I'm picking on the characters. I'm picking on your maces, your T bars, your future hall of famers, slapjack, like these people that he suddenly had to try and get over. Um, that he couldn't because they lost all the time. So like he would, he would go to the trouble, not on television, but on Twitter of cutting these really well produced, quite slick promos on a Monday afternoon. So you'd be like, Oh great. Right, what's, what's Ali got to say this week? So I can maybe try and buy into this like dead stable on raw. Right. Fine. Great. You got me on the hook. 
you're going to show Randy Orton this week who's boss and, and like six RKOs later and nobody's boss other than Randy Orton like he always was. Like, it's just insufferable. The worst of the bunch, the absolute dirt worst of the bunch. And I think I hold him a little bit responsible because I feel like this was him trying so hard. Look, he did as many leaps in his promos as in one of his babyface matches. <laughs> he basically gaslit the fan base for ripping the piss out of terrible names. <laughs> like, he says so. Why do you think we go by T-Bar and Reckoning and Slapjack? That's right, because we knew, WWE Universe, that you would mock us for coming up with silly names. So really, when you think about it, we win the joke, don't we? <laughs> I, don't remember, I don't remember Duke the Dumpster Drossy being like, I knew you'd mock me for, winning a, for having a bin man name. That's why I took out, started a class warfare against you WWE fans. I just remember people thinking, well, I mean, it's a good job that you called the dumpster because you're a bin man, so that's worked out pretty well. <laughs> like, other, otherwise, it's ripping the piss out of your bin man name. Like, the, <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with bin men at all, or bin women, or people that work in garbage disposal. I have a problem with a crap wrestler that's moonlighting as a bin man. Make up your mind, do one job, and give the other job to somebody else. This wasn't us mocking being fooled by Retribution's political machinations, mocking T-Bar and Mace and Slapjack. It was mocking WWE, the company that Retribution is supposed to hate, for coming up with names Mace, T-Bar and Slapjack. Don't work me, Ali. Don't work me. We all want the best for you. Believe me. We all desperately want the best for you. And what we know by mocking these names is this is not the best for you. It's a bit like asking Pete Townsend where his book is, where all that research is. Where's your attribution name, Mustafar Ali? Where's your name? Yeah. Didn't have one, did you? Because you wanted a career when this was all said and done. And yet, here we are with T-Bar and Mace as new members of the Hurt Business going into... (laughs) Uh, Let's conclude by talking about proto-retribution. This stings just as bad as talking about the Iconics. And he's talking about my best friend, Stu Bennett, and his faction, the Nexus, which inexplicably were fed to Team Cena, John Cena. Well, over the summer, it all went wrong. And it ended with poor Wade Barrett being buried under a pile of chairs at the end of the year, if I remember rightly. Yeah, there was no way back from them losing to Team Cena at SummerSlam. And it wasn't team Cena they lost to. It was a two-and-one advantage they lost to over the course of about a minute and a half after Cena had been dumped on the concrete on the floor. Yep. There was no way back from a finish that destructive. A finish that destructive, the Edge and Chris Jericho have gone on record that they tried to convince Vince McMahon to put the Nexus over, I don't, which I love because they both said that blatantly. So it's out there that, like, I have no part of this. It's like Big E, <laughs> Big e delivering that Ryan saying, I did not write that. Like that time on Raw, like I love it when wrestlers can get out of the situations they're in because it had nothing to do with them and they had no control. Cena went over. Um, but yeah, what was as bad as that, because there really was no saving it, was their attempts to save it. You know, it's just you were just sort of looking at this, you know, like on those come dine with me's where the food's gone wrong, and then the fix me, like, you're just making it worse. <laughs> but like the cake is just this mush of cream and the sponge is sunk, and then they just go like well, why don't I cut it into a square and then throw hundreds and thousands on it? It's like, now it just looks like dressed up mush. That was all this was. <laughs> it wasn't even lipstick on a pig because pigs 
like god love them apologies to all vegans and vegetarians listening like i sold for the wonder of a bacon sandwich mm. or a pork joint a lovely pork and applesauce sandwich or something like that how much of the meat of the nexus bone was left after john cena had picked away it it wasn't even lipstick on a pig this it wasn't the barbecued pig from the, there was no pigs were harmed in the slaughtering of the nexus is what i'm saying but they were absolutely slaughtered the storyline that boils my piss to this day of them of wade barrett obviously winning a match that forced john cena to join the nexus to lead to his big match with randy orton where if cena basically counted orton's shoulders down to the mat he would be free from the nexus but he'd have gifted the world title to wade barrett if he didn't he would be fired from WWE outright his dream job the job that he would never leave until hollywood came calling and you left again <laughs> you know that like the stipulations the stakes couldn't have been any higher a survivor series 2010 um that storyline where he was just forced into tag matches with the nexus that he would just oh we're tag partners and i've attitude adjustment of you by mistake <laughs> and that's me for for people that can't hear i'm doing that little gag where that little visual gag where you pull on the neck of your t-shirt as if to imply that you're stressed john cena pulled at the neck of his t-shirt but it wasn't a nexus one was it it was no. in purple one he never wore the shirt the the one thing i know they had an armband gimmick but that like sub nwo yellow end shirt that people loved proper like proper good wwe branding wasn't it of a stable that yellow end shirt the money shot cena having to wear that end shirt he wore it one night and it was the go home raw before the survivor series in a segment where like now take a breath before they say this oh god he hit wade barrett he hit wade barrett with the attitude adjustment and then he tore the shirt off his head and threw it on the ground as commentators are like oh john cena's got a difficult decision to make and it's like Looks like he's been making decisions all along, Michael Soss. Yeah. Uh, and then Wade Barrett didn't win the title. Randy Orton did win the title. Cena was fired. And what happened when he was fired? Well, things got even better because now he was fired. He could just run in buildings whenever he wanted and attack them. There's that great bit where, of course, he infamously knocks over CM Punk's Diet Coke, which is the impetus for Punk to join, to take over the new Nexus. Like, you knocked over my Diet Coke while I was, while I was doing commentary. He's just at a desk screaming, it doesn't work here. What's the point of him being here if he can just hop the rail? What, can a fan do that, can he? Like, just picking this ridiculous thread. Cena has a better life against the Nexus as an unemployed wrestler than he did when he was employed. It took one thumb to beat an army, and it was John Cena's knee on one, on their heads, over and over and over again. <sighs> just can't, I give you. I can't get over what they did to my boy. <laughs> like you say, every it's your podfather banner, isn't it? It's like yeah. you're reacting to that storyline. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> yeah, just feeding the Nexus. I mean, you know, the Nexus wasn't perfect. Way Barrett was, but the Nexus wasn't perfect. And yeah. That every step of the way, it was just like, oh, maybe they're gonna oh no, 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 no. Oh, maybe <laughs> oh no, no, no. Like the one thing they got was just murking Vince McMahon and Bret Hart. And even then, like Brian got obviously fired for choking Justin Gabriel with a tie. Mm. Not Justin Gabriel, he was part of the group. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts with a, with a tie. And then after that, like you say, it's like uh, Team Cena versus Team Nexus. We all know which way this, this is going. Thanks for, thanks for coming, lads. See you later. And then the next night, you're like, ah, we're not finished. Yes, you are. Yes, you bloody are, lads. 
You may not have learned to accept it, but yes, you are. Bastards. Well, anyway, I wonder what we've got to look forward to tonight with the uh, business, eh? Jesus Christ. Be fine. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts on the worst WWE sacrifices on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilburn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you read the entire article uh, up at WhatCulture.com right now called 10 Worst Sacrifices in WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts, including us, reviewing the fallout of Raw tonight. Good luck, everybody, tomorrow. But for now, this has been the Top 10 Debate. My thanks to this article's author, Michael Hamper, for joining me. Thank you for joining us as well. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.